Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. All right, friends, welcome back. This is a, another episode where we are going to be talking about the preeminence of Christ in every area of our lives. And we wanted to focus on this one, on the preeminence of Christ in our family lives, thinking and talking about particularly, probably especially, uh, families on the field, living in the midst of the calling that the Lord has given to us. And so we're joined today by a special guest. Very happy to have Jennifer with us. Hey, Jennifer, welcome. Hello, thank you. So Jennifer and her husband and three kids have been serving in East Asia for several years. And last August, we had your husband Jared on to talk about hard work. And I had several people message me and say, hey, we want to hear from Jennifer. We want to hear from Jared's wife and kind of hear the her perspective. And so thought this was a perfect opportunity to have you on, Jennifer. Because honestly... I think people were a little uh, blown away slash intimidated by some of what Jared shared in terms yeah. of how he spends his time. I mean, you know, you lived with a guy yes. for a long time now. He is a hard worker and yeah. he was the right guy to interview about hard working. But what came out in that interview was how much you're involved in every step of that. I mean, he mm. continuously brought up several times like I couldn't do this without us being like minded, without my wife taking care of so many things and her being really an active part in this and in our our home and our family life as well. So we wanted to hear from you. All right. Well, um, we do see ministry and life together as a partnership. Um, I don't know how much he talked about his background, but he was an architect pre-Asia. So he worked probably 60 hours a week then. And then in the evenings and on the weekends, we would do ministry together. And so ministry was our hobby. Um, It was what we enjoyed doing together. But obviously, when you move overseas and you're doing life together 24-7, even if it is your favorite thing to do, you see each other very differently, right? So I knew Jared was a hard worker. I knew that he was diligent and faithful and all those sort of things. But it did require quite an adjustment for me to see the, the driven side of him that I wasn't used to seeing in ministry settings necessarily. Um, So that was really shocking. I knew he was driven, but I just didn't know what it looked like day in and day out. So yes, it was a probably many year long process to adjust in our partnership and full-time field ministry. Wow. That's really good background. I think that's so so helpful to see, you know, where people have come from in the States. And I think for you to even highlight the transition that working from, a, you know, like a professional background, even sometimes a, a full-time ministry background in the States to make that transition to the field, like there's a lot of differences, you know, there are a lot of changes. Yes. And obviously not only work-wise, but even to what we're talking about today, family-wise, mm-hmm. right? And what does it look like to make those same similar types of transitions from the U.S., Maybe things a little more convenient, things that we're used to growing up in the U.S. and then to come to the field. And so what does it look like just kind of in general to start out with? Mm -hmm. What would you say it looks like for Christ to be preeminent in our marriages and in our parenting? So I'll just say I come from a a non-believing family. 
um, when I became a believer at 18, the thing the Lord showed me immediately or really captured my heart with is the fact that he redeems and he redeems relationships. And even though my family situation remained broken and strained and difficult and challenging and so, so hard, um, he gave me a love and um, ability to forgive those things I thought were wrongs. And so I believe that it's primary in our relationship with others. It doesn't matter who they are, neighbors, family, friends, um, acquaintances, that we recognize that our God is the God of redemption and he redeems. I tell our children often that Jesus makes all the difference. And what I mean by that is, without Jesus, it's very hard to forgive. When someone is kind, when they're generous, when they're loving, Jesus is the one who made the difference. He's the one who gives us the ability to experience redemption and seek redemption, and he then redeems relationships. So I think that that's of primary importance, is recognizing that the world believes people don't change. The world believes people are stuck in their ways. This is the way I was created, and this is the way I am, or they're that way or this way. But we know that in Christ, people are redeemed, and they're renewed in their hearts and in their minds. So I think recognizing that, which also gives us the opportunity to (laughs) fail, Mm. to fail, and then to give and receive forgiveness. I'm a homeschool mom. I feel like I fell on a regular basis, quite possibly daily basis. I mean, I, uh, whether lacking patience or kind words or understanding or right perspective. So I, it's very easy to fail when you're in relationship all day long, every day. <laughs> so, but I believe that the Lord gives us the ability to fail, but also to practice and give forgiveness and to receive it, which is the story of redemption. One of the verses that really um, God just pulled out to me in his word as we're going through our Bible reading plan um, a couple of weeks ago was in Genesis. And it's so awesome in the fact that it's about Abraham and the nations will be blessed through Abraham. And and of course, as missionaries, I think we really hone in on that, the blessing of the nations, and we really hold firm to that and we're excited about that. But in Genesis 18, 19, it says, I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. And that goes right back to how do we keep Christ preeminent in our relationships and in our families? We command our children, hopefully, to keep to the Lord's ways and to seek righteousness and justice. And righteousness, I break down to is simply right living, right doing, and right thinking. 
I love that. I love the very simple Jesus makes all the difference and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what relationship you're in. The way we make him preeminent is by pointing to him a mm-hmm. lot mm-hmm. in very simple, even literal ways, reminding our kids, reminding our husbands, our wives, our family of friends, if we're single, pointing each other to Jesus and to his grace. Yes. Because we will all fail. Yes. 100%. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so thank you for from the very beginning of this interview, just being very clear about that. What would you say is the greatest threat against having a healthy family life that exalts Christ? We were recently on stateside. It was very clear to me that this is a huge threat there. But as I told them, it is the threat of Christianity around the world. And that is the lack of intentional discipleship. The lack of intentionality, I truly believe, is the failure of bringing up the next generation, but really generations to come. There's so many distractions. Where we were in the States, Texas, it's a wonderful place, but it was really surprising to me um, how much of an idol sports and entertainment is. And we live now in Taiwan, and there's literal idols, physical idols all around us. But I would say the idol here is academics, education. So the distractions are unending, right? Like they could even be so-called good things, good distractions, whether it's health-wise or education-wise or seeking the betterment of others or ministering to others. But the lack of intentionality, I feel like, is what makes Christianity anemic in many homes and in many churches. Well, that is such a good word, and I'm receiving that as a dad who discipled my kids into a 5 a.m. Chiefs game this morning. Um, <laughs> we did so, Bible study afterwards. That's true. We <laughs> redeemed that time. We did do Bible study afterwards after the Chiefs won, and I was able to sit calmly and then talk. Good yeah, job. I was modeling modeling for them what zeal what zeal is about. Um, I will say, in addition to that, one of the one. I think real struggle in the church is passivity. Mm. Men, especially that are passive. I believe that um, we as women are maybe more inclined toward faithful service or loving kindness towards our children. But if we're passive in the spiritual component, we're also failing to disciple. And I believe it requires not just the women to disciple, but the men. And I see that as a huge, desperate need for the church at this time, whether that be their own children or young men in the church or um, neighbors or small groups or youth groups. I believe there is a desperate need for strong, courageous, faithful, obedient, God-fearing, God-loving, word-loving men who are intentional 
to disciple along God's word. Would you say that you think the same threat against missionary families is there, like the threat of entertainment and sports? Or would you say there would be anything different specifically for families on the field or families in ministry? I believe anything can be a distraction. Yeah. I have to be careful. We have to be careful not to name a specific thing and say that this is the wrong thing if Hmm. it's not a sin. You have to be careful not to point and say that person does this and therefore they're not discipling well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that when we are drawn towards something, whatever the something is, any of the above I mentioned or something else, we can easily overlook the pull that it has on our hearts to the point that we fail to disciple in those areas. And so we need to guard our hearts towards even what we are naturally drawn to if it interferes with us being intentional in our discipleship or relationship with the Lord. Yeah, that's such good, such a good word. I think that that even to the passivity that you talked about, the passivity is really the fruit of being distracted by something else. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's ironic as you, if you think about a family in ministry, it's ironic to me and I've struggled with it myself from time to time that we can be very diligent and intentional in our official ministry responsibilities and yet be passive when it comes to discipling our own kids For and sure. in the home, right? Yeah. And just uh, the threat of that, I think, to us, that passivity, I think, is such a good word for, for us, specifically as brothers in Christ. I really like how careful you were on that, that anything can be that distraction, mm. because I could easily let myself off the hook. Well, I'm a missionary. I'm not like those people in America who are so into entertainment and sports. Mm-hmm. Those Texans out there. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But I absolutely have plenty of distractions. Well, I will also say that we need the body of Christ. This is a huge component to discipleship, not just of our families or our children, but of ourselves. And um, there is a family that moved here a couple of years ago. And they did something we had never made a full-time habit. And that was they had a worship and prayer time every evening. And we knew that because we were at their house for dinner one time. And after dinner, they stopped us all and did worship and prayer time. And I would say, honestly, for me, I was like, that is really awesome. The dad was being intentional. The mom was being intentional He was intentional to stop their normal flow of life. And she was intentional to have a song prepared. And that's not necessarily things that I would have done naturally. Because again, I did not grow up in a a Christian home. Actually, it was completely unchurched. I didn't know the Bible had an Old Testament, New Testament. So everything I do, I feel like I'm learning as I go. But I'm also learning from others. And so when they did that, Jared and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, my goodness, we need to like do something differently. And so we started based on their example. um, We started doing a nightly prayer time that was focused and directed. It doesn't look like theirs. We don't always stop when we have dinner guests over and that sort of thing. But it has been a real marker, I believe, in our children seeing daddy leading and not just being passive 
and um, their discipleship process as mommy is full time with homeschool. Right. And so I'm constantly talking about how this relates to God's word or how we can view this differently or what this means in history, according to the Lord's ways. But now daddy is a part of it. And so it brought him into intentional discipleship. And so I think sometimes we have to create avenues for dads to be able to walk in those ways that are intentional and take more ownership responsibility because I, as their mom, who's with them a lot, Jared travels a lot, can easily take over. So this is the opportunity I get to just kind of hand it over to him and let him lead it. That's good. And the power, I think, of a regular rhythm as well, right? Mm -hmm. When we step into those, that's kind of what our morning devotional has become as well with the kids is just the power of that regular rhythm. They know, we know that's something that's going to be going on. And I think I quit a long time ago stressing over missing a couple of those every week. It doesn't matter. The main thing is that you're doing it regularly and it doesn't matter which Bible study you're doing. There's no perfect book. You just get in the word together most days, I mm-hmm. think is a great goal. Mm-hmm. And that's what your kids are also going to remember. And in yeah. light of that, I will also say several years ago, I was really convicted by the Lord. I My normal habit is to get up and read God's word uh, before they get up because I call it my get it together girl time. I want to have a smile on my face when they actually come out of the room and I have to face them. So I really need time with the Lord so that I can do that. So 100% uh, with you. Yes. Amen. <laughs> otherwise, I'm not very happy or pleasant. So I would get up early and I would do that. But after um, after several years, you know, as our children were getting older, I realized they never actually saw me in God's word. And so I literally would do part of my Bible reading in the morning, stop, and then do it at some point later in the afternoon where they would see me sitting on the couch. And I would then tell them, get out their Bibles or something along those lines. I would make a journal for them for, for them to fill out in their right uh, Bible reading plan or whatever the case was. And I would say, this is our time to read our Bibles That allowed me to have my time with the Lord, but then also actually model it for them. So sometimes we have to do things that are not our preferences, is my point, to be intentional in discipling. Yeah. I'd like to talk about time management a little bit because Mm -hmm. (laughs) so far we're talking about morning quiet time, afternoon Bible reading, evening worship. You have to have a lot of boundaries in your life. Because mm. you have a busy schedule, you're homeschooling. I think you said your kids also do some local school. Jared travels a lot. Plus, I know you're both involved in ministry where you are. You're in leadership. So how in the world do you make time to sit on your couch and read your Bible in the afternoon or most evenings worship and pray in the midst of ministry in the evenings, things like that. Just give us a little peek into mm-hmm. any kind of boundaries that you've found you have to set. Okay. Well, God's word gives me my guiding principle. This is my guiding passage right here. It's Psalm 90, verse 12 through 17. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. And how long? 
Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, it says again, establish the work of our hands. And so I think, first of all, I want to caution that we cannot do all and be all. My guiding passage is, Number my days that I may do his work for today, that he may establish my hands for today. So there's a couple of ways that I kind of translate that into my daily life. And a very simple, basic one is I'm a homeschool mom. I I have a clear structure for homeschooling. Um, We have lists, we have boxes, we color them in as we go. So that's a very clear structural boundary. And my typical normal way of functioning is this is our job. We're clocking in. I'm clocking in. This is my job. And I don't have room to go do all the other things that maybe I want to do during the daytime. I cannot move freely about and enjoy things that maybe I think would be enjoyable at that moment, but because my job at that time is homeschool. Okay, so that's one. And then I repeat over and over again, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And the reason I say that is because that's my life motto. Can you relate? No doubt. Okay. Jared's (laughs) schedule is so full that it feels like each day feels like looking at a syllabus full of final exams. That's what it feels like for me as his wife. So when Jared's out, 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 go, 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 I cannot do that also. So I recognize that I'm on today's square. That's another way I describe it. In the great calendar of life, I'm on today's square and I just need to do the things on today's square. If I look too far ahead, the squares ahead or months ahead, I start feeling anxious, overwhelmed. Um, We can easily become depressed, discouraged. And so I try really hard to focus on today. Now, I, by nature, am a planner. So this is something I've learned over time. It doesn't always serve me when I have something long-term in the future I need to be working toward, unless, again, I'm intentional to make steps going that direction. But In general, I try really hard to stay on today's square. And so there is no such thing as having it all together all the time. And I am not a naturally flexible person. I'm probably the most predictable person you could ever meet. But being married to Jared has sanctified some of that because he is very fluid and very flexible and always surprising me. <laughs> okay, so talk to the missionary woman out there listening, thinking, mm-hmm. I don't want to be home with my kids all day, every day while my husband's out traveling and doing all this wonderful, fulfilling ministry. Mm-hmm. That is very important question. 
because some days homeschooling can feel fulfilling, but it doesn't necessarily feel fulfilling all the time. And it just may not feel that way at all. There is a lot of death to self that I personally experience in homeschooling. So I'll tell you, it's not a formula, but a kind of explanation that the Lord gave me recently. As many people ask me why I homeschool, especially as our oldest is in the teen years and getting ready for high school and that sort of thing. And how long do I plan to do this? And why am I doing this? And that sort of thing. Time. Time with my children, as we just read in Psalm 90, time is limited. But time with my children is limited. The time I have to disciple, invest in people and my own family is limited. The other thing that's limited is their attention. I have a limited time set apart in their in the scope of their whole life to have their attention and their affection. Now, I have children that are very physically affectionate, but not all of them. And so I can be affectionate to the ones that are not physically affectionate in different ways and um, show them I love them and show them kindness in ways that they most readily feel loved and accepted and that sort of thing. But my point is, without time, you don't have their attention or affection. Inside of time, you might have them. There's no guarantee, but if we don't spend intentional time with them, schooling is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about intentional time to spend with your children, getting to know them, learning them really, and learning how to invest in them in ways that they can experience God's goodness. Then... I might also have their affection and attention for years to come outside of the home. So that's how I would break that down. And then the other thing is we and our family really hold to this concept of we are blessed to be a blessing. So the Lord has blessed us abundantly. I'm not the first person who has said this, but I tell our children all the time, from the shoes on your feet, to the food in your stomach, to the clippers that cut your hair. We have been blessed abundantly. And so we are then to be a blessing to each other. Again, this is not, our life is not about self-fulfillment. Our life is about serving the Lord. And he calls us to obedience. And oftentimes, at least in God's word, it's very clear that it's an uncomfortable obedience. And so that's how I would answer that. That last little bit. Thank you so much for highlighting that, Jennifer. I think that's such a key piece. Man, such a crucial part of our calling is that our life is not about self-fulfillment. It's Mm. about serving the Lord. And that often entails uncomfortability. It often entails sacrifice. I mean, that's just a part of Mm. serving him and that we would shepherd our hearts in that well and prepare ourselves for that and not fall into, I know even talking with Jared, um, he mentioned entitlement, I think, as Mm. this this big weight that drags down a lot of workers on the field because we do 
we're all prone to that. And I think we all have this excuse, like Shaney mentioned earlier, well, we've moved over here, right? We've made already made this big sacrifice to come over here. Now yes. are we entitled to this, 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 and this? Mm -hmm. And just to keep that fresh in our minds that we are not in any way about fulfilling ourselves, but serving yes. the Lord. And oftentimes that, that just means sacrifice. And that doesn't mean that there's no joy in it. It just means that we have to be willing to pursue that and, and uh, be ready for the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, so you all have a very busy schedule. We heard from Jared, right? I think to a lot of our listeners, he sounded mm -hmm. kind of like Superman. Uh, and now hearing from you as well, just even <laughs> the, the intentionality and how you steward your home and homeschooling and even involvement in ministry. Do you have times when you feel like that your schedule is negatively affecting the kids or your family life? When those times come, how do you how do you kind of adjust? And maybe even to what you just said, some of those just heart postures, reminding your family and your kids of that. What are the ways that you shepherd your own heart and your kids through times when maybe you feel like the schedule's gotten too much or it's it's adversely affecting your family life? Great question. First, I would say we process a lot. We're very honest with our children, with our personal struggles. We talk a lot and we've had an open door policy, I guess you could say, where they're allowed to express their displeasure or what they don't like. But I, I really haven't strongly felt that our children have at all resented any part of our lives in ministry. And I think a huge part of it is because we do process with them. We talk through it constantly and we have included them as partners in ministry. So we do that through opportunities and serving in our own home. As you mentioned earlier, our children have attended local school also along with homeschooling. If we host a party for their classmates um, in our home, they are workers in the party. They are not participants of the party, if that makes sense. So they are in ministry together with us. Um, they attend trainings with us. Even if they've been through the training before, it doesn't matter how many times they attend trainings with us. They join us in evangelism outreaches. We ask them questions like, what would you like to gift people for Christmas this year. Uh, we ask for their input is my point. And they always surprise me. They surprise me by saying they want to pray for people or that they want to give to this project or they want to give their teachers Bibles. That was amazing in a communist country that that was their natural reaction is I want to give all my teachers Bibles. Well, we didn't tell them otherwise like that they shouldn't. We said, okay, we loaded them up with Bibles and tracts and we sent them on their way. Um, <laughs> and so they see ministry as a normal part of their lives. I think that's how we prevent the resentment and the discontentment. It's just always been a normal part of their lives. And yeah. I think that's very important that they see their efforts as uh, valuable also. That's awesome. Man. So twice now, you have just like brought tears to my eyes. One of the times was when you said we had limited time, attention, and affection 
with our kids. That's just such a sobering reality to me. And right now, I don't know if I'm feeling emotional today, but just the thought of your kids being like, we want to give our teachers Bibles. That is so awesome. (laughs) Praise the Lord and praise the Lord that you loaded them up and sent them off. (laughs) Well, the reality is I do want to be very clear. As I began our time together, our children have many opportunities every day to forgive me. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing in me that cre- could create ever that kind of response in them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is truly only the work of the Lord. However, we can be intentional. We're going to keep going back to that word to set them up for opportunities to grow in these ways. Absolutely. And that's that's our hope. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can see your failures in your face all day, every day, and you oh, can sure. worry about, oh, no, my kids are going to struggle with this sin or that sin in their life because of mm-hmm. how they've seen it in me. But when you change mm-hmm. that to your goal truly is my number one job as a mom is to point my kids to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I really believe he's going to do way more work than I can. And mm-hmm. I really believe he redeems. And so even me confessing my failures to them shows them the Christian life. That's it. You confess, you don't try to hide it. You say you're Mm -hmm. sorry and we forgive each other. I think the, just to highlight again, what you said about talking a lot, just Mm -hmm. allowing your kids to process out loud with you and creating a space where they feel like they can air things that maybe are uncomfortable for them or ways that they are feeling discontent to be able to receive that as parents without Mm. overreacting. It's something we've seen and learned is just such a huge part mm-hmm. of helping our kids, helping shepherd their hearts, right? Yes. They know that they can express when they're frustrated to us and not be like kept at a distance or not be told to, you know, quiet down or that's not welcome talk here. That's just such right. a huge thing, a way that the Lord uses to work in their hearts. And I think even for us as a family to bind us together as well. Yes. And as they become teenagers, I would say less processing on my part. I'm used to redirecting their heart's attention and affection and um, less processing on my part and letting them process more without my correction. Or, But you know the Lord says, you know his word, letting them air their grievances and then after they're fully heard, then responding in love or silence even. It's been a learning curve to learn how to let the Holy Spirit redirect them and correct through his word. And again, if they love his word, God is faithful. He is good. He loves them more than we do. And he knows their hearts better than we do. He knows exactly what to say to them. So he uses us and it's our responsibility And yet at the same time, he's the one who holds them in his hands. And being reminded of that um, again and again as he speaks to them, not just convicts, but also comforts. The Holy Spirit is faithful. He's our Mm -hmm. guidance counselor. He's guiding us as we parent. He's even showing us what trainings to take them along to and when to stay home. Mm -hmm. And when to push through and fight through their resistance and their fits and when to say, no, we're going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have positive experiences that they wouldn't have had if we hadn't actually forced them to go. Mm -hmm. That just happened last week. 
for us. There's no formula, but the Holy Spirit is faithful. Mm -hmm. Can we just talk a bit about how you keep your marriage vibrant and not only be awesome at like (gasps) working together, partnering together, but how do you guys have fun together, relax together, laugh, be affectionate with each other? This is a funny question, and I'll tell you why. Because as I mentioned earlier, our hobby was ministry. So we actually enjoy that. So, <laughs> so it point. may not look like letting loose or anything um, normal to other people, but <laughs> talking shop is still our hobby. And we get yeah. to do our hobby as a full time job. So I think that's one aspect that is very confusing to people. (laughs) Um, So I would say that's actually what we do for fun. And then, of course, we are committed to Christ and each other. We're committed to making this thing work. And, you know, um, over the course of time, we each change. We're changing a lot. I mean, Jared became a biker since we moved into Taiwan, and then we went to stateside, went on stateside, and he started running. I'm like, when did you become a runner? You know, like we're always changing, and I think the intentionality to keep learning and growing with that person, to keep interest in them, um, the things they're interested in, even if they're not things I'm personally interested in, supporting Um, each other in different aspects of our lives. I think that's also important. I think there are seasons when life is really challenging. Um, The last couple of years, life was very challenging with homeschool, and we had a lot of transition, which can obviously put a lot of stress on um, relationships and expectations of each other. And yet at the same time, because we're committed to each other, we know we're going to make it work and we're going to um, seek the good of each other. I don't know if this is common across the board, but his love language, I would say, is food. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a good cook. So that's a kind of scary combination. But... (laughs) I do know how to bless him. For instance, sushi. Well, I wouldn't ever make sushi myself anyway. So take him for sushi. That sort of thing. So again, it's not Amen a personal, it's not a personal preference of mine, but it blesses him. So I think again, being intentional to bless each other, seek the good of each other, sacrifice for each other, pay attention to each other, and not only to our circumstances. The demands that are never ending, or even our children. That's good. What part in that does your, I'd be interested to hear from you, what part does Sabbath rest play in all of that discussion? And how do you all as a family think about that? Yes, it's an ongoing discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that might be the case, actually. Yes. I would say that Jared actually, because he's what I would call an extreme extrovert, he feels rejuvenated with people. 
I enjoy being with people. I would say I'm a friendly person, yet maybe I'm ambivert. I'm in between, but I do get really exhausted. So sometimes I just have to say, I really need this time off or it's been three days with people and I, and I have to do that with my children also like I said they're all extroverts and just say I just can't take you to do that or I just can't have people over right now so being honest before we blow up before we lose it before we have to apologize so Sabbath rest means I've learned different things to different people. Jared can preach on a Sunday and feel rested. That doesn't make any sense in my mind, personally. (laughs) But for him, he feels rejuvenated and excited. And um, he feels like he can can face the week now. Yeah. Um, But that's not me. And so we have to compromise. One of the things that we try to do again he travels a lot but one of the things we try to do is take a day and do something that takes us away from distractions so our last term we started biking as a family and it would be like a 22 mile bike ride well you're not checking your phone and teams messages emails you can't respond to them when you're biking for four hours, you know, straight. So that, that helped us. And then we would say, okay, we're going to stop midway. We're going to have lunch together. We're going to look at each other. So we're spending time together. You could say that's time together. We're biking, but we're not actually engaging each other. Mm. So we would then stop, have lunch, look at each other, have a conversation. Then we would bike back. And that block of time was rejuvenating and helpful for our family to then not only re-engage with each other, but just have some quiet space. So that felt like a Sabbath to me. Yeah. I think a best practice for Sabbath for missionaries or people in ministry is to do something away from distractions. Yes. Like that's more likely to be successful for us than like Mm -hmm. hanging out at home because our home is filled with distractions filled with opportunities to work. Yes. And we have found even kind of one of our loose goals for the year was to get out of the city as a family once a month so that you are away from those things so that you're in Mm -hmm. nature. And when we're out of our home and our normal grind, I I mean, grind is overly negative, but (laughs) when you're out of your normal routine, to me, that's like a huge thing for Sabbath. And then that gives freedom for what fills you up. I mean, some people are rejuvenated by different things. So it almost mm-hmm. like doesn't matter what your type of rest is. But I think for us, getting away from distractions, getting away from your normal routine. So we sure. our previous episode to this one is on um, emotional and mental health. And so Pastor Vance talks about Sabbath and that and shares a lot of helpful things. That's right. Okay, I just want to highlight a few things you've said that I have loved as we close here, okay? Jesus makes all the difference. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. (laughs) That's my favorite. Including the I'm going to stay on today's square. The Christian life is not about self-fulfillment and just the basic principle of seeking the good of your spouse. 
and the reminder that we do have limited time and affection and attention with our kids. Thank you for those really solid biblical truths that you shared and also really practical tips. Yeah, no doubt. I think just to see how you give testimony of the Lord's goodness and his grace, even starting from the beginning, your own testimony, you come into the Lord and how he has shepherded you through, you know, life in the States and now life overseas and homeschooling and just such great stuff along the way. Now we know what Jared's secret sauce is. It's actually, <laughs> yeah. it's actually Jared. Right. That was my one correction I wanted to make because you said maybe before we recorded that he's like the good speaker in the family. And that is not true. You yep. are an excellent, clear speaker. And I've loved listening to you and the way you have so clearly articulated your biblical principles behind each thing. Yep. I know that our listeners will be blessed by it as well. You just have offered, I think, a lot of hope and hopefully some challenge along the way. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for great. Thanks.